0: to be seen and acknowledged. Chatting with Sherry welcomes Kovatchik. Kovacic. Uh, she is an author. Uh, she has several uh, original stories, but what we're going to be talking about is Miss Fisher Modern, her novelization of Just Murdered from that series, and Miss Fisher. I'm really looking forward to chatting about the 1960s and and taking on this incredible opportunity. Here's Catherine. Hi Catherine, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Sherry, thanks for having me on.
0: I'm really excited and I and I can't wait to talk to you. I've been looking forward to it.
1: Me too, uh, gosh, I have so much talking to do about Ms. Fisher's mod.
0: I love the show i love i I'm so upset that the last show of the season's coming up this week. <laughs> I just really have been enjoying it.
1: <laughs> I know I know I think we've we've gotta start agitating for season three already because it's it's just been great, hasn't it
0: <laughs> yes i real it it's the i i I don't know i I love the first season, but it only had four episodes. I know they were equal mm-hmm. because it was an hour and a half and everything. But it just was you really enjoying the show, and then it's done. Uh, yeah. And that and so now it's eight episodes. It's it's a, l- a lot, even though it's the same length as the original season. You feel like you got a little more because <laughs> you got all the different. Yeah, you get the
1: yeah extra couple of weeks, so you know you get just to string it out. A few extra mysteries, a little bit more romance, and you know relationship stuff. So yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, it's but... it, it's fun, and I just and uh, and as the development of it, I thought they did a really good job with developing the characters, and yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying it.
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed for season
0: three. I means. know, I know. I really want season three. I've really, uh I don't have many shows. I mean, when this goes, I have like w- uh, I'm watching. We're a little behind and. I'm. Mm-hmm. I have two shows. One is Frankie Drake Mysteries. That is, we're in season three. They okay. have four seasons, and I only have one more episode of that for the third season. And mm. God knows when the fourth season will be shown. And then I have My Life Is Murder, which isn't going to be in Tallahassee. And that's it. Then yep. I won't have anything for the rest of the
1: year. Oh <laughs> no! That's that's just a wasteland, then, isn't it? There's just nothing. I that's know. Tragic.
0: I tragic. Know. I know.
1: <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> um,
0: but I love it. Um, can you, Catherine? Can you tell a little bit? I know you're a novelist. Um, uh-huh. uh, uh, are you a reader? Um, is that how you started writing? How did you begin your writing? Were, you, were um, did you get introduced to reading as a child and fell in love with it and want to fill it in? What's the story about that?
1: Wow, that's really tough. Um, I have always loved reading. You know, I can remember the first books I read when I was really little and and library trips were my highlight when I was a little kid. So definitely always been a reader. Um, Writing, I I guess I came to a bit later. So, you know, probably the same thing there. You don't kind of, your parents never think much of arts degrees and things like that when you're going through school. So, um, I did all the sciencey kind of things and put my English and literature subjects to one side, and um, and I'm I actually qualified as a vet, and I practised as a veterinarian for several years, oh. and then I took yeah I took six was well, going to be six months off um, to work in the family business, which um, ironically or not was a book distribution company, <laughs> and um, we were going through an yeah we were going through an expansion, and because I'd always worked in the company you know growing up and going through university and what have you. Um, I knew the company inside out so I said I'll take six months off the veterinary work and you know we'll do this company expansion and then I'll go back to my usual thing and as is the way with many of these things six months became three years and during that time I thought oh I might go back and just do a couple of like I suppose the equivalent would be community college in America so doing just sort of subjects without having huge intent in arts, in art history actually paintings and things like that and because of because I kind of get very involved in subjects and reading and writing and things, um, my couple of little subjects ended up becoming a PhD in art history. Um, And so by the end of my time off veterinary practice, the company had expanded beautifully and we'd sorted all that out, but I also had an extra degree and a different career path. But in coming to art history, I came across um, a true crime story, um, an unsolved murder from Melbourne in 1930, which takes us back to Friday Fisher times, just about. Mm-hmm. And I was really intrigued because this woman who had been murdered was an artist's muse and the crime had never been solved. And um, and it really upset me that this woman's name had been forgotten. You know, you'd see mentions of her as, um, you know, sort of along the lines of when she got murdered, it, it derailed the artist's career and things like that. You know, I was thinking, well, that's... How can you reduce a woman's life to that? And so I felt like I wanted to tell her story, but because it was an unsolved murder, that to me is very unsatisfactory. I like some sort of an ending to stories.
0: Um,
1: You know, I I read, occasionally I read true crime, although usually I don't need the gruesomeness of that, but occasionally I read that, and I, I dislike coming to the end of a book that I'm really committed to and having someone say, and we'll never know because, you know, that I, I you want crazy. to know a bit more than that. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. Yeah. So um, I'd, I'd been researching the artist, actually, for um, an, a, an exhibition that I was helping work on. And um, and I came across one of his old catalogues from about 1932. And he painted a particular portrait of this woman that um, that has gone missing as well, and we don't know where it is. And I checked with a couple of the experts On that artist and they said well you know we know it was painted but we don't know where it is and so that gave me the idea for my first protagonist which is Alex Clayton who is a a Melbourne based art dealer set in you know around the year sort of 2000 and so I wrote my first book which is called The Portrait of Molly Dean which was based on that true crime but involved my more modern day protagonists finding this lost portrait and becoming interested in, in solving the crime, and of course encountering people who are still alive from that period who don't want the crime to be solved, and so that sort of, in a way, I kind of tumbled into into novel writing. And of course, I then never envisaged that that book would become the first of three in the Alex Clayton art uh, mystery series. Um, and so those, that was that's how I became a writer. Cool. That's
0: really cool. Oh, I thought that, <laughs> I love that idea. Um, it's sort of like Laura, um, you know, the, the movie Laura yeah. from the yeah. 1940s Absolutely. where a, a detective falls in love with a painting, and it turns out the woman's still alive. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but it's, that's like one of those movies that's like a perfect mystery. It's just really well done. It has a beginning, a middle, and, and, and they get the bad guy. <laughs> and the bad guy's yeah. a real that's- surprise.
1: Of course, of course, yes.
0: I just, I love that movie. Have you ever seen it?
1: Yes, I have, several times.
0: They do show it too much, don't they? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's my only complaint, because it's such a great movie, but you shouldn't see it that often. You need that space in order to go back and watch it
1: again. A few years between each viewing, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, But it's just, one of my top favorites, just mm. so beautiful, um, yeah. it, it, and like, you know, it has people that you would never think of in that vein, like Vincent Price, wasn't oh, scary in it, he wasn't, uh a monster, he wasn't, uh-huh. he wasn't uh-huh. a mad scientist, he wasn't yeah. anything we've come to, he was just a guy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but it's a visually, it's a, a, a visually beautiful movie too, you know, the, the plot's great, the the is great, but it's just, the way it's filmed is just, ah,
0: uh, It's breathtaking. Just
1: wonderful.
0: And the portrait's yeah. gorgeous, I, I understand Gene Tierney kept it.
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. You can understand why, though. Oh yeah,
0: I mean, whoever in the studio, whatever studio artist painted, really must have loved her yeah. too, because it's just stunning.
1: Absolutely. I mean,
0: yeah. It, it, well, it had to be. You, know, you had to believe that Dana Andrews had already fallen in love with that, the
1: portrait. Of course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, it has the great Judith Anderson in it, and what's his name? He's such a great actor. He's he plays the the guy who's one of the ones who tells the tale who found her.
1: Uh, um. He
0: was in City not Pretty Cap- and, and a lot of great movies. I can't think of his name. That was his first movie, too. Yeah. I know everything. You know when you get older, you have every thought and every fact in your head, but it won't come out of your mouth? <sighs>
1: Sometimes I feel like my brains are are like an open-ended bookshelf and if I put one book on one end, something falls off the other end and I can pick that up and put it back on that end and then something will fall off, you know, and it's just, so it's all there. That's a good... It's just fallen on the floor at the moment.
0: That is a great description. (laughs) It makes me crazy. I actually asked my brother, do you think I have Alzheimer's? He goes, no, you've always been like that. You're just now older, (laughs) so you're worrying about it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, brother. (laughs) He meant it sweetly, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he's funny. But, um, but that's, yeah, you're right. It's like a perfect movie. I'm hoping that as we talk, oh. he'll, the name of the guy will pop into my head. Because I can't think of him. Yeah.
1: I got, I got, I got Clifton Webb. Oh, yes. Great actor. There you go. See, it was there all along. It was in your brain the whole time.
0: It just, it, it's like... If there's this game my mother taught my brother and I. If you can't think of something, start alphabetically in your head and just leave it in the back. And sooner or later, what you're looking for will pop out.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things you can't you can't think about it. If you focus on it, it never comes to you. Yep. Just you've got
0: to. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, human oh. mind is very strange. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you? What we are. You know. We, what would we write about if the human mind wasn't? Well, exactly. Exactly. So, um so here's a big question. How did you come uh-huh. about to write the novelization for Miss Fisher
1: Modern? Well, this was this is another strange story. This is almost a mystery in itself. Um, I Got a friend request on Facebook from a publisher at Allen and Unwin, who is the the publisher here of Kerry Greenwood's Miss Fisher books, and it was just a friend request. And um, so my first thought, of course, was scam, and um, <laughs> and then and then, and then you know as one does. And then I thought mm, definitely accepting this one, so I accepted, and she messaged me straight away and said, could you give me your email address? I want to ask you something. And, um, and I assumed that, that she would be asking me, you know, could I send you an advanced copy of something or other for you to, you know, write a cover quote for, you know, as, as authors do, you know, you say it's a great book, I love this, you know, every page, laugh out loud, whatever, and they stick it on the inside back cover or something like that. So I sent her my email address and she emailed me pretty much straight away and said, are you working on anything at the moment? And I was just actually finishing editing a true crime book that I wrote having spoken about true crime and how I don't read much of them because they're scary, yeah. um, I'd finished that. And so I um, I said, no, I'm just finishing up something now. And at this point, because she'd said, wanted to ask about a project, I assumed that maybe we are talking about an anthology that she wanted me to put a short story into, something like that. And um, so I said, no, I'm, I'm just finishing up. I'm, I'm fairly free at the moment. And she sent me back an email and said, great, can you sign a confidentiality agreement? at which point I started to think, hang on a second, what's going on here? Um, but she sent me a confidentiality agreement and, um, and once I had returned that to them signed, they said we... They explained it to me and they said, um, Miss Fisher's Modern, uh, Deb Cox and Fiona Eager would like to novelise the Miss Fisher series and are looking for a writer to do that. Would you be interested? And... Um, of course I'd be interested in writing something so fantastic with these wonderful characters, but of course there is also a part of me that is thinking these are very big footsteps to follow in with Kerry Greenwood and the Friday Fisher fan base, and so it's a little bit scary, but it's not an opportunity I'm going to say no to. So I said, yes, I would be interested. And they said, sample chapter, please. And at that point they gave me the show Bible, which is the very very short character outlines and the, the Ms. Fisher World outline, and... The script to the first episode, which was maybe about 15 or 20 pages, and explained that um, if we went ahead, I would have to turn that 15 or 20 pages into a 70 to 80 thousand word book. And then <laughs> they gave me about three weeks to give them a sample chapter to see if I had the right approach to Miss Fisher, if I sort of you know could could tap into that world and that that sort of that vein, the the way we all like to to read about. You know, Franny Fisher. You know that sort of slightly light-hearted, slightly tongue-in-cheek, slightly feminist—all those things we love about Franny—and sort of put them in Peregrine's 1964 world. And um, and so, it first, my first thought was, I should go and read all my Kerry Greenwoods. And then I, first, no, my second thought was, stay well away from all the Kerry <laughs> Greenwoods because that's not what we're doing here. So um, I kept them firmly up on the top shelf, and. Um, Sat down with this, and I also did not. I, I particularly avoided watching the um, the show again because I'd seen it when it had first aired here, the Miss Fisher mod. And I thought, I don't want to. I don't want to be too, you know, on their voice. So um, I sat down and I wrote a sample chapter, which um, which has become part of the, the book. Uh, and uh, and we took it from there. They they liked what I wrote, and so. I signed another confidentiality agreement, and then yeah, and then I um I I wrote this book in secret, um and it's you know it's only been as we've come up to the season two, uh, Miss Fisher's screening, that it has become public knowledge that there is the Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mystery book.
0: I can't wait to read out. it. I'm really looking forward to it. I love reading books about TV shows and movies. I, I've always gotten them always. <laughs> So right. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> When's it well, coming I, know,
1: I know you'll be a strong, a strong critic of the Ms. Fisher world, so you'll have, to, you'll have to tell me honestly what you think, Sherry. Well, I'm
0: not a critic. I just have my own mind. Well, but, um, of
1: course. <laughs> but well, we all love the Ms. Fisher world, and we have, we have our own perceptions of it, and we, we have an understanding of it. So if people who love the Ms. Fisher world like what I've done with it, that will be, that's high praise indeed for me. That's what I want. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, also, it's fun to read a novelization of a TV series or a movie because you get, what is James thinking here? What is Peregrine thinking? What is Birdie thinking? Because we never know Uh what Birdie's thinking. (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) You know, stuff like that. Very put
1: together. Yes,
0: yes. I mean, you never know what's in her mind. And (laughs) Samuel, and um, I never can say her name. Violetta. Violetta, I'm a terrible person. I love the character, and I can't say her name.
1: (laughs) You have to refer refer to her as Dr. Fellini, then.
0: Yes. I love her. (laughs) She's adorable. Uh, But for some reason, I uh, can't get my mouth around the (laughs) Italian. But, in fact, I love a lot of the stuff of her, but my favorite scene of all time was when she was singing in deadbeat
1: yes wasn't she gorgeous the the whole Sophia Loren get up wasn't she stunning
0: she was stunning and she was cute and I love when um Peregrine came in and she just kind of finally felt better and she kind of blinked like thank you a little tiny blink at her it was just and then when she was singing and she was dancing and she was flouncing the dress, and, oh, it was just and Samuel's reaction to her,
1: it's just, it was so well, adorable. I can, I can sneak, sneak hint: she in in the um, the just murdered book, she gets to dance the watusi. So there you go. Oh, cool!
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. The, there's a lot there. If you've only seen season one of uh, Miss. Uh, of the show, uh, there's a lot behind. Feel Is that the right way to say it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yep. Um, she has a lot
1: there. <laughs> Even um, if Vatican Two is holding her back a little bit. Yeah, that's.
0: Yeah. Good luck. That, that does not happen for like yeah. thirty years, honey. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you're glad you don't yeah thank God that Samuel has more sense Um, (laughs) but yeah it's just like um, I think that if the uh, ERA that we had in the United States was happening in um, Australia I think Peregrine would have been fighting she'd be on the street pushing for the ERA because that was during that time period
1: sure
0: she would have been yeah because she's such a feminist that must be fun too you know the feminist uh, the thoughts that kind of sometimes am I doing this should I be doing this you know the feminist side against her own generous heart and her own instincts and that that must have been fun to write
1: Absolutely and I think you know Australia was probably a little bit more parochial so we're probably a couple of years behind the US in terms of you know loosening up in that 1960s period and of course Miss Fisher is set you know in that real Camelot era of 64 so there's there's the, I think there would have been that real push for Peregrine, particularly the upbringing that she would have had in the 1950s about being, you know, a proper. Even though her mum was a bit of a rebel, you know, and it was a bit of an unconventional childhood, but still you had those social conventions of the way you behaved and the way you should behave. But with the, you know, the way feminism and you know and freedom movements were evolving just, yeah, that conflict between what should she be doing and what can she do and what she prepared to put up with from, you know, men of a certain generation or men with a certain mindset, um, you know, I think that was, was great fun. And, um, and clothes, then we get into clothes and, you know, what's, what's she wearing and what are yeah. the others wearing and that yeah that's a huge thing too. That's, it's, it, well,
0: and we're both women, so of course we have to gush about the clothes. The clothes for both season one and season two are just amazing.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, the water department is brilliant, but seeing it, you know, and, you know, Geraldine is a perfect clothes horse. Isn't yeah. It? You know, gosh, she just looks stunning. In, and that design, it's designed for her, you know, that, that era is perfect. But um, but yeah, the men's clothes are equally equally interesting. I think, particularly once you know they start to get out of their suits and into you know those more the bowling shirt kind of things. And um, you know, and we had a discussion um, in the editing phase about you know whether we were using the name James or uh, Detective slash Mister Detective Steed. And I was like, well, Peregrine's kind of thinking about him on a surfboard in his you know 1960s version of you know small swimmers. So I think she's thinking about him as James at this yeah. point. You know, I think we're beyond the steed when you're picturing someone on the surfboard in their swimming trunks. And so then the editor said, I've just gone and Googled 1960s men's swimwear and I think you're right. <laughs> I have to do is see Gidget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well there you go.
0: <laughs> you see a lot of good looking men in trunks in that show. I mean, I know it's in the That's... US, but you... Uh, Cliff Robertson, James Darrett, yeah, yeah. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um that's one of the things I was um I was saying when I was interviewing Beth Ray and um and Penny Oh God, Penny, I'm sorry. Age again. Do you n- remember the designer for season two? No. Oh. Anyway, we were uh when I interviewed them and I was telling Penny that I was so happy to see him uh James in casual clothes because it opens him up in such yep. a way. And she says, "Wait till you see toward the end what's coming." <laughs> 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 With him and there his swimmers. <laughs> 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 yeah, he does look good. Uh <laughs> But I mean, it's not like you're surprised if you follow Joel on Instagram. You know the man; has a good body. So when well, so. they go. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was. It, it, but I think it gives the characters some room to maneuver when you're. They're not always in suits. Um,
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: But I, I really, in, I enjoyed season two. I really did. I love the clothes. Um, she wore this absolutely adorable dress in the first scene of um season two where she's uh dancing with James and he's wearing uh a slacks in his shirt and he's looking really cute too. And they just it's just adorable. And Bertie in her beatnik outfits um <laughs> that's the only way you can describe Bertie.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, everybody just it's, it's so much fun it's it must be so much fun to eat, write season one because uh, it's all it was born in that first story um, did you find any kind of trepidation about uh,
1: expanding I think um, I think at first you know I I was you know, and they were from from the from the get go. They were saying, you know, we want you to push it beyond, you know, what we've done. Take it where you want to. And they were very open to me coming back to them and saying, hey, can I can I do this? Can I say that? Can we have that thought? You know, depending on where they were planning on developing the characters for season two. But they were always so open to just me pushing it out there. Um, so there was there was obviously trepidation because they're such great characters, and um, and you know, you want to do justice to them and you want to do justice to to Deb and Fiona's vision for these characters. But I kind of, I I think I probably I probably scared myself for the first couple of weeks. So, you know, I was like, yes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to write, and then I just sort of sat there and went, ah! Um, so I kind of just, yeah, I just had to sit with the characters in my head for for a while and just, you know, it sounds a bit odd, but kind of just talk to the characters in my head and just, you know, hang out with them. And then once I'd done that, I thought, right, we can go now. And so then I just sort of, I got into it and I just, I pushed through. I had to come back and sort of tweak bits and pieces and the characters have developed in season two compared to how they were laid out in the Bible originally. So some of them needed to be um, changed, changed a bit in the way they portrayed and their their attitudes. But um, I think once I'd sort of, once I sort of put that fear into the background and got comfortable with the characters in my own head, um, you know, I it, we just went for it. So when I say we, I mean me and the characters. Sorry, that sounds a bit odd, but that's the way it, it sort of gets when I'm writing. We're just kind of having this ongoing dialogue with the characters. So, yeah, I think just sort of pushing into it and pushing into that world. And um, and for me, being a being a Melbourne girl and knowing some of those locations, you know, knowing the building that that is the Adventurers' Club, for example, and and, um, you know, when, when I watched season one, I could go, oh, they filmed that there. So I can have a mental picture of those locations in my head too. And that, for me, that really helps, you know, put that world in place and put those characters in that world. So um, yeah, once, once I got into it, it was, you know, it was, it was just going. Then, of course, I had a massive panic attack when I had to deliver the manuscript <laughs> because, then, you know, everyone got to pronounce on it and whether I'd hit the right tone and, you know, got the characters right and all that sort of thing. Fortunately, everyone was really happy. So that was that was just the delight to, to know that I'd I'd found the right voice and found found the home for those characters in in my my kind of take on the Fisher world, I guess.
0: It's interesting because that's something that people who don't write don't understand. But I got you right away. When you're <laughs> developing characters, they speak to you. You, you visualize yeah. them; they speak to you, and if they don't want to do something they ain't gonna do it
1: <laughs> oh isn't that true it you know, is. writing my own characters i've like with alex clayton my main protagonist i've sat down in the morning thinking i know exactly where the story is going to go and i start writing and suddenly we're off on this like and i'm what wait why are you doing that alex what wait this this was not what we planned and away we go and it just goes in a completely different direction but I just have to kind of trust the characters you know sometimes you end up ditching 10,000 words but you know basically you trust your characters to tell you the story
0: it's, it sounds people who don't write it sounds like we're schizophrenic but we're not I I, I really very rarely meet a writer who doesn't think that way um, <laughs> we all think that way <laughs> very encouraging <laughs> Because we do. I mean, it's just part of being a writer. I mean, every writer has their own way. Some people are more visual. Some people are more verbal. Some people are... But character is what the whole thing's about. So if you can't yeah. feel the character yourself, how can anybody else feel it?
1: That's right, and I think that was why I I really had to sit with these characters because, you know, they they were Deb and Fiona's characters originally. They weren't mine. So I had to get to know them before I could write their story.
0: That's true. That's
1: true. Oh. And did you,
0: um, when you were, because uh, this is what I do. I don't know. It sounds kind of strange. Do you kind of sketch in your head what you want to do? and then you just let it go, and you just, it's sort of like, sort of a meditation, and you just let the characters take over.
1: Yeah, I think I, I I guess my way of describing it is like having a a bad or an an early model GPS thing, like those old Navmans that, you know, you used to have, where you know where, you know where you're starting from, and you know where you're ending up, but you think you're going down the main highway, and then suddenly you navigate it, the next exit, turn left and you know you're going to get to your destination ultimately but you just have to, to trust those that, that it's going to take you in the right direction ultimately but you might go down a really interesting little side road or two or three before you get there. So, I yeah, I have my, my vague ideas but I've let the characters take me between those ideas, really.
0: That must be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um... When is it going to be available to purchase? Do you know
1: yet? Yeah, August third is the official release date. So a couple of weeks, two cool. weeks, cool. two weeks from when we're recording. So, yeah. Are you nervous? I am nervous because you know because um, it's it's Carrie's fan base too. It's it's the Franny Fisher fan base, and um, and I haven't I haven't written. A Kerry Greenwood book. Kerry has read it and she has given me a lovely cover puff for it. Oh. And she talked. Yeah. She told me she really enjoyed it, so that was lovely of her. Um, so I, I hope everybody else likes it too, because you know I think I think Peregrine is a very different character to Friday even oh, yeah. though we're still in that same world. So yeah, I am nervous though. Definitely nervous.
0: It's just I've tried to explain this to people. Um, because I was brought up in l a so I guess I have a different mindset, just because something is a spin off it does it 's not a clone. The characters are not right. exactly the same. The people uh, that write it are trying to make it connected in a way but different. people shouldn 't expect it to be friny
1: that 's right, yeah, and your know, peregrine's very much her own her own woman you know she's she 's not not Franny, she's very different, she's got very different ideas, but she's got that same indomitable spirit, mm-hmm. I think that's that's what she embraces.
0: <clears throat> and she mentions Franny all the time, so there's a yes. lot of love given back to the mother show.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: I think that that's really cool. Um, so, now we come to a little thing like what, do you have anything coming out? Other books? Do you have anything coming out <laughs> that you want the people to know? And do you have any events coming up, virtual or or in person or whatever?
1: Gosh, um, well, huh, we're we're in and out of lockdown here in Australia at the moment, so there there are some events coming up. Fingers crossed, some live events. Um, but if we make them virtual, that well then they can go out to a, a wider and more international audience. So. Um, I'll have to keep you posted on that, Cherry. Um, in terms of books, um, no, well, the Peregrine Just Murdered is, is the book that's coming out. Um, there's, well, gosh, there's, there's another couple of things in the works, but we'll have to see how they pan out. Um, the Alex Clayton Art Mysteries there's probably going to be another one of those in the not-too-distant future, fingers crossed. But it's, it's all, yeah, it's all Peregrine at the moment.
0: Peregrine all the time, 24 hours
1: that's a day. It. That's right, that's <laughs> right. So I'm, I think I, I told you when we were chatting before, I've, I've got to, to dig out some of the 1960s pieces in my wardrobe to, to pop them up on Instagram as we come up to the, the book launch day.
0: I love 60s clothes. I do. They're so cool. I grew up watching, well, this is going to age me, but I was only like a little girl, like seven, six, seven, eight years old. And when Friday, not Friday Peregrine, first comes to Melbourne, I was two. Okay? So i was not around. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, um, but I really do. I I love, I love the clothes. Penny, is that right? The the costume designer. I, oh, gosh, I, sounds right. I know. I think so. Penny, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) I keep trying to think of it. I'm doing the ABC, and that's what the name that came into my head while we were talking about the clothes. Um, <laughs> but I love the clothes. I love the clothes from the uh, 1964 and the 65 and 66. <laughs> They're all really cool. So hopefully there will be a season three of... Um,
1: Dickinson, Dickinson, Dickinson,
0: oh, Dickinson. Okay, thank you. I knew it was close. <laughs> I was getting there.
1: Penny Dickinson. Sorry, Penny. We got sorry, there. Penny. We got
0: there. Thank you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. Uh, <laughs> I love your clothes. I, I can't believe that my mind just totally went blank. I'm telling you, it's age. Um,
1: and, of course, we've been lucky in Melbourne to have um, costume exhibitions from both Miss Fisher and Miss Fisher Mod um, at Ripon Lee, which is one of the historic houses that features in a couple of the, the original Miss Fisher shows so really lucky to be able to go and you know sort of stand near near those clothes and see them up close and even the ones that have been recreated for the show just the, the beauty of them is just ah,
0: just clothes yes I wish I could see it I I, I kind of I kept hoping that it would come to the US but it didn't um, <laughs> and then we got then we had the pandemic and lockdown so. It um. but yeah I, I mean I'm a huge fan of Miss Fisher and um, so it was sort of natural for me to go into Miss Fisher Modern Um, uh-huh. and I love that too I love the clothes in both shows uh, Marion is amazing Jenny is amazing uh, their clothes are just sparkling you know
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: um I just, uh, I want to thank you for your time, um, do you have any kind of uh, social media like Facebook, Instagram, things like that that you'd like to give uh, so they can say hi?
1: Yeah, you will find me on all of the above, um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, Katherine Kovacic, um, so I'm, I'm out there, I'm not hugely prolific, but I'm definitely out there and I do post reasonably regularly. And, um, and there will definitely be Ms. Fisher Mod posts coming up in the next few weeks and, uh, and lots of cross-referencing. And if any events um, that, that are either live or online go up, they will be going up on the social media too. So you will find links and things there.
0: Perfect. Um, I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your day to chat with me.
1: My absolute pleasure, Sherry. It's been a delight.
0: Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thank <laughs> you.